Guys, if you have your Bibles, um, I want you to turn with me over to the um, book of Isaiah. We're going to be looking at chapter 6. When you get there, our verses of emphasis will be um, verses 1 through 8. That's Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 through 8. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, just asking, Lord, that you would be with us during this time but to have in your word. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me. I pray that your name will be glorified in everything that we do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to read it for your hearing. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high, and I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, but two he covered two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Um, um and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, not the will in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal taken, from, taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. May God bless his word in Jesus' name. Amen. I think you guys will probably agree with me that one of the biggest issues in our churches today is a misunderstanding of the holiness of God. And that uh, many times in our, even sometimes, and I, and I don't think it's a pulpit thing, it's, I think it's, it's, amongst every, it's amongst every Christian that we have a misunderstanding of the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. And what I really want to talk about today is the reality of God's holiness. Um, the purpose and driving point of this message is for you to know and understand that God is holy. All right. Um. So many things in our culture today um, have driven us away from God and what he really um, expects for us to do as Christians. And many times what happens is we see so many things in our culture and we say, well, what about the pornographic issues in our culture? What about the different um, race issues and things of that nature? But we all need to remember that God is holy and that God deserves all of our adoration, all of our worship. Yes, he does. Even though we live in an ungodly society, and even though this society is far from God, we should be drawing people to him and showing them and also showing him that God has a standard and that he wants us to that he has a standard and his holiness is one of those standards that we just cannot get past. Amen. Um in verses one and two, I want to talk about the demonstration of God's holiness. The demonstration of God's holiness. 
We see that the holiness of God is seeing this demonstration as him sitting upon a throne and being high and lifted up and his, the train of his robe filling the temple. This is this is points to God's sovereignty and eternal kingship. This is explained more plainly in uh, the book of Psalms, chapter one, the book of Psalms one thirteen and verses five through six, and it reads this way: Who was like the Lord our God, who was sitting, who was see, seated on high, who looks, who looks down, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth, and the old church would say it this way. Our God, he sits high and he looks low. And that's really the same thing that, 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 that uh, the psalmist is saying here, is that God sits high and he also looks low. So we should, as we're looking at the demonstration of God's holiness, we must remember who God is and who we are not. And that we don't measure up to his standard. Um, and then the seraphim here are basically bright angels worshiping God. And these are... Angels with like literally their wings are on fire. Everything is on them is on fire, and they are not saying softly, holy, holy, holy. They're saying it pretty loudly, and um, they are worshiping God and they are giving God His due praise. And um, from what I've read in my study, they were possibly showing humility by covering their faces and their feet. Um, and this is explained more explicitly in Hebrews one and seven, which says which says this. Of the angels, he says, he makes the angels' winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that basically that those angels were very specific beings, that they were very special beings. They were, in that vision, they were very special and they were worshiping God in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And uh, in verse number three, we're going to be looking at the proclamation of God's holiness. The proclamation of God's holiness. This proclamation is stated more, is, is stated three times in the, in the text of four today. Like it says in the text, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When we look at that, oftentimes we think of the song, holy, holy, holy. And yes, that's true. God's holy, holy, holy. But when I read more of my study, it was, it, it was more like, he like um the angel was saying holy holy are, I mean holy holy is and then holy earth and basically that God is holy 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 and as we see that God is a thrice holy God that He is holy in the sense that He um is set apart from every other false god that He is um set apart that he cannot simply let sin pass by whereas other whereas other um people may have claims about their God we can say for certain that our God is holy. And this is not the only time we see um our God being worshipped in this fashion. If you look over in Revelation four and eight, it says it this way And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within and within and day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy. See, there's that word again. Um, is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who was and is to come. Amen. When we worship God as Christians, we should be reminded of who God is and that he loves to hear his people praise him. So when we worship God, God loves to hear that. And, and, number, and then number two, 
you, we, we, want, we need to understand who God is and that God is holy and that he, he does not just um, expect any old thing from us when we are serving him or when we are worshiping him, but he wants us to worship him and understand who he is. Holiness is one of God's 15 attributes in Scripture. And then this this attribute in in particular is a constant theme throughout Scripture. When we read Scripture, we should be able to see the holiness of God. And what I mean by that is we should be able to see as a a constant theme that God is holy. And that all of those other attributes that he has, this omniscience, omnipresence, all those other attributes, primarily look back to his holiness. So... We must also understand that every other attribute primarily comes from God being holy. And then, um, next point, we're going to be looking at the response to God's holiness. And that's in verses 4 through 8. And Isaiah here, he, he gives his response to God's holiness in verses um, 5 and what he says is, and it's very interesting, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And when we look at God's holiness, right, we should be able to say, Wow, God is holy. I'm not there yet. And that I should um, be humbled by this experience and that we should be un- we should be understanding of who God is, and that we must understand that God is holy. I know that I've been saying that the whole message, but that's the driving point of our message today, is that God is holy. Um, when we see God's holiness, we should be reminded that we do not measure up, and that we should be encouraged to pursue holy living, and that we like one of the distinguishing factors of a Christian is the fact that they will desire to live for God. That even though we may stumble, we may fall, that we will get back up. The righteous man falls, but he gets back up. And that we must understand that God wants us to live for him, even though, we, even though yes, we stumble, yes, we fall, but God has given us these desires as Christians to live for him. And that in spite of, our, in spite of the things that we do, in spite of the um, sin in our lives, God wants us to live in a way that pleases Him. We understand that no Christian will reach perfection in this life. There are a lot, there are a lot of Christians that believe that, you know, well, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to be perfect in this life, that you'll be able to be without sin, and that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach that. Um, what it does teach, though, is that we will have a sin nature. Even though yes, we're saved, we have a we have a we will have a sin nature. And then, but when we go to heaven, this this is the good thing here. When we go to heaven, we will be presented perfect in Christ. Amen. So we will be putting on our white robe, so to speak, and we will be covered in the righteousness of Christ. That's right. So this is seen more explicitly in the book of First John, chapter two, verses one through two. And it says it this way. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
He is the propitiation for our sin. And only for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So, so many people, as, as so many Christians rather, we must remember that we have an advocate. And it's with Jesus Christ, with God, it's through Jesus Christ that we get our forgiveness and we get that we, um, that we get the, um, forgiveness that we need. Um, because when God, when, when God sees us, he no longer sees our sin, no longer sees us in our, in our sinful, in our sinful, um, nature anymore. He, he sees us in, as the righteousness of his son. So when God sees us sin, he was like, and Jesus is sitting up there on, on the right hand saying, I know what they did, but I died for that person. So we must remember that we have an advocate with God through Jesus Christ. Our response to God's holiness should be one of boldness to speak his message to whoever we're called to reach. Um, and why I say that is in verses on seven and eight, we see that um, our Lord is commissioning Isaiah. And he's saying to Isaiah, you know, who will go for us and who will send, and whom will I send and who will go for us? And he says, here I am, send me. And what Isaiah is getting ready to do is, is to pronounce a judgment over Israel. And that wasn't a very easy message to, 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 to take to them because he was getting ready to cast blindness over them. <laughs> and they were going to keep listening and not understanding just like how sometimes in ministry, sometimes ministers can get, can get discouraged about, you know, going to people and preaching to them and they don't understand. Sometimes God will put us in places just like that to teach us who he is. And even though that people may not get it, that we will know that we preach to them anyway. And we see this more plainly in the book of Acts chapter 26, verses 14, 14 through 18. And when he had, and this is a Paul's um, presentation before King Agrippa, if I, if, I, if I remember correctly. And when he had fallen to the ground, he, he, I heard a voice saying to me in the, in the Hebrew language, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you. Is it, it is hard for you to kick against the goats?" And I said, "Who are you, Lord?" And I said to him, and, I, and the Lord said. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But rise up, rise and stand upon your feet, for I for I appeared to you for this purpose, to anoint you as a servant and and witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to do which and to do which and to do in which I appear to you, I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. To, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. As Christians, we must be have the boldness, be bold and have the boldness to proclaim the gospel to whoever we are called to reach the gospel to and no matter what their response might be. Because sometimes you might be working with a person and you might be evangelizing to them for years and years and years and it seems like as if they don't get it and then one day the Holy Spirit revealed and then one day the Holy Spirit will show them something and then they will get and eventually hopefully they will get their lives to Christ and the message for us as Christians is very simple 
And it's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which says very on plainly that the waves of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We must be willing to preach God's message to whoever we are called to we are called to reach it reach it to. And that God wants us to evangelize and to help people to see him in a different light and also see that he is hoping. Thank you guys for your time. Amen. Amen. Amen.